You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Well, Charlie, big weekend last weekend. Got the win at home in a late-night game, and now back-to-back night games. going to be a little chilly this Saturday night. Is it really? I haven't looked that far oh, yeah. at my weather planner. I'm, I'm kind of ready for some sweatshirt weather, though. Yeah, we too. made it. Yeah, it's going to be sweatshirt. May need a jacket over the top of that sweatshirt. 53 with 11-mile-an-hour wind out of the north. No rain, though? Uh, 24% chance of rain. Not a ton. You may get a little bit, but it's going to be chilly. All right. I can I can live with that. Yeah, it, I can live with that, too. I feel like football. Ought to be a good crowd. Should be a really good crowd. Had a good crowd last week, especially in the first half. Uh, thought it was a, a game people could kind of get into. Hey, you had a pretty good crowd last night at women's get basketball. Into. Yeah, they, you get into that game last weekend? Man, yeah, especially in the first half. We had a 24-3 lead at one time. All right, and, and then so then what happened? And then when people left, that's kind of you know. That's, okay, so <laughs> they didn't have to see it. You know, right. they didn't have to see. So it's going to be a tailgating day. It'll be a cold day, a, a chilly day for a tailgate. Fifty three is the high during the day, and then when as the game is going to be played, the wind should die down, but it's going to be a little bit chilly out there. But you got all day to tailgate. Six o'clock game, man, this is going to be a great weekend. Okay, and then we got the number one team in the country. It's going great to kick it moments off. are born from great opportunity and all that stuff. I knew, and I almost cut that clip to play it in the show because I knew you were going to come up with that, the Herb quote. Herb Brooks, coach of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team that won the gold at Lake Placid. This wouldn't be 80 Olympics kind of miracle. It would certainly be an upset. Georgia's a really good football team, but I believe strongly something I've said before. There's not an elite college football team right now. It's not an unbeatable college football team. Nothing nothing would surprise me. Now, is it an uphill battle? Yeah, absolutely. They're the number one team in the country, and they look better than everybody. But they're also a team that struggled on the road against Missouri. And they turned it over three times. You come in here, and they turn the ball over. They're a really good defensive team. But, hey, you never know, man. Crazy things have happened. Number one teams get beat every single year. And why not this Saturday night? Okay, why not? Let's let's do it then. So what's it going to take to do that? It's going to take a better offensive performance we've had in about four weeks. It's going to take us playing as well defensively as we have, probably better. It's going to take no mistakes in special teams, including being unable to get punts off. It's going to take a lot to go right. This is not an invincible team. They nearly lost at Missouri. We got all that out of our system last week. That's that's the way I look at it. Well, sometimes it does work that way. It does. Hey, looking at this past week, on Monday night, you and I had men's basketball on the SEC+. Plus. Then last night, we had women's basketball on the SEC+. Plus. Let's look back at Monday, and we'll talk to Richard Williams later in the show. Coach Richard Williams, of course, is on the radio broadcast, and he saw it all. But 
I thought, Charlie, the first half against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, offensively you couldn't get anything going, but when you played hard, you defended well, and you could kind of tell as the team settled in, they got better as the game went on. I thought from the 10-minute mark in the second half to the five-minute mark in the second half, we were a pretty good basketball team. How much of that was just beating down your opponent with your defense? I think a lot of it was. I mean, it just kind of wore them out, didn't you? Yeah. Um, the defensive effort, what do we say all the time? Defense travels. You can carry defense with you. Feel pretty good about that. You would like to think that we will be a better shooting team going forward. We're not going to be a great shooting team. I don't even think we'll be average. But if we mean near average, I think we can be okay. But teams that defend, teams that rebound, sometimes you, you don't have to shoot it as well to be a, a, a good basketball team. And so last night, women's basketball, good start to the Sam Purcell era. Couldn't tell a whole lot about that game. I could tell, the, tell you this, we're deep. We played a lot of players. We're a lot more athletic than I thought we'd be. And, man, we got up and down the floor last night in a hurry. So Sam Purcell did something last night that we haven't seen. You know where I'm going? No, I haven't. He oh, yeah. from a stool. Yeah, he did. He did. That was a, a different kind of look. It was a different look. Have you ever seen that? Not in person, I don't think. Now, I've seen uh, Joni Taylor, you know, coach from a, a medical cart. What do you call it? You know, a little, little stroller? Yeah, when she had, she had a knee problem. Well, in, and you see it in the Final Four in the men's game because they put the stool up there on, their, on, the, uh, on the floor because the seats are normally recessed down. And so, hey, Sam went with a stool. He didn't sit on it for a while. Everybody used to wait for Vic to throw the jacket. Is that the thing we're looking for now? When does Sam sit on the stool? When does he, like, pick it up, like, wrestling style and <laughs> crack it over a chair? Uh, no, hey, one thing you can say, both those teams play with energy. I thought the women's team is just night and day from a year ago, and that's not a knock on anything a year ago. You just didn't have players, didn't have enough players. They've got enough players. Now it's just going to be a matter of where does that all sort out. But – this will be a top half of the league team. I, I would be floored if it's not. And I think it's got a chance to be five, six, somewhere in there. Yeah, a lot better team than a lot of people thought. So, of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. If you're in the market for home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for, the customer service is second to none. Our friends at Farm Bureau. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk to Coach Richard Williams on the other side of the break. Then we'll also talk to Jeff Dantzler with the University of Georgia Radio Network. He does the pregame and postgame over there, does baseball and women's basketball at Georgia. Jeff, a good friend of ours, and we'll get his thoughts on the Battle of the Bulldogs this weekend. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Thanks again to our friends at WFCA 107.9 in French Camp, airing the show each and every week. So Charlie and I will come back. We'll talk to Coach Richard Williams right after this. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. And the guy was walking down the street. We just waved him on in here. Coach Richard Williams walking across the street from the Starkville Cafe. How you doing this morning? Doing great now that I had breakfast at the Starkville Cafe. That's good. That's good. So, all right, you were on the, on the call the other night. And let's just jump, jump right into it. 
I, I got in the car after Charlie and I finished our broadcast the other night. And, Coach, that's the great thing about the TV broadcast is we don't have to worry about a post-game show. I know, I've done TV. I've I know. Done, I've done a lot. Of, that's the best part of it. Absolutely. Game's over, you get up and leave. Exactly. And so I'm listening to you and Neil, and y'all are interviewing Chris Jans. And you asked him the question about getting guys to play hard and buy in. And I thought he had a great answer. But, but Coach, looking at it, have you ever seen a team where every single guy that comes off the bench and every single guy on the floor is playing at max effort on the defensive side? Well, I, I thought the same thing, uh, Bart, but as Coach Jans was very quickly to correct me, he didn't see maximum effort from every player, every possession. But I, I thought whether it was maximum effort or not, it was tremendous effort by every player. And it was every player that came on the floor because I think what Chris Jans and his staff have done so far, they've established – if you don't play hard and if you don't try to rebound, you're not going to play. Now, if you want to score, you have to defend and rebound or you're not going to be in the game to get a chance to score. And I think the players have bought into that. What do you say? You have to buy a ticket? Like you got to buy a ticket to the show? It's like going to the movies? That's it. Yeah, you got to, you got to spend your money. Or if you it. want to get in the show, you're going to play defense and rebound. That's right. I thought one of the stats that jumped off the page to me was the fact that we had 16 turnovers – but A&M Corpus Christi only had eight points off those turnovers. One of the sayings you hear around basketball all the time is a lot of times bad offense carries over to the defensive end. I didn't see any of that. No, the, I, didn't, I didn't either. But, you know, as we've talked about it, the, the, I think the Mississippi State team this year, they're going to defend no matter what. And, and I think the turnovers in the first half were a big factor in Corpus Christi having the lead. You know, I, I know you guys did your prep work as I did before the game, and apparently the offense of their previous team, the previous year's team, depended on creating turnovers, offensive rebounds to get extra possessions because they're not, a, they're not a great shooting basketball team, so they have to create turnovers. Second half, if I remember the stats correctly, I think we only turned it over four times. And so we didn't yet let them get out in transition. We didn't let them score those points in transition uh, after turnovers. But I think our defensive transition, for the most part, after missed shots and after turnovers, was pretty good. One of the things that jumped out to me, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on why this is the case, this is a team last year in Corpus Christi, only five teams in the country made more free throws than they did. They only got two attempts. So many times you see teams, when you think of aggressive defense, think you're going to commit some fouls along the way we were whistled for seven fouls what does that say about how we're playing defense well I, I think they move their feet uh, they stay in good position uh, I, I think the way they play defense and I, I was at one of the first practices uh, after official practice started and I was talking to coach Jans about his defensive philosophy and he's done something he says a little bit differently than what he's done in the past and so I watch what they're doing on defense and what they try to do if the ball is thrown to the wing, from point to wing or guard to wing area, they want to deny that pass. But if the pass is completed, they jump to the top side of that offensive player to the extreme, and they make him drive baseline. But what they're trying to do, when that player drives baseline, the next defender comes over and they're always trapping that ball on the baseline. So they're not having to foul there. And what it reminds me of the defense we saw last year when we played Texas Tech because it was exactly the same. They force the ball to the baseline. They trap you when you drive baseline. If you throw it into the post, they're going to double-team the post, and they do it a little differently than some. They double-team from the baseline side. Most teams that double-team the post in the past double-team from the top side. Mississippi State brings the next defender double-teams from the bottom side. 
So what they're doing is they're forcing players into double teams, and, and I've seen them emphasize, the coaching staff in particular, Coach Jans, when you get into the double teams, get your hands up, don't slap for the ball. So it prevents fouling. But now, I do think this. In that game, the other night against Corpus Christi, I thought maybe a lot of fouls were <laughs> committed that weren't called <laughs> because it was a very physical basketball game on both ends of the floor. And it doesn't hurt to have – SEC officials, when you're playing a home game against a non-conference opponent, that doesn't hurt either. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, the other night they, they did let them play. And then all of a sudden, you know, you play that style, you get used to that style, and then you go to Lexington. And so then the whistles are brought out and they're swallowed on the other side. How frustrating is that for a coach? Because you see it in baseball. Because in baseball, you have different umpire strike zones. And then in basketball, every game is called completely different. How do you how do you kind of rein guys in when you get to the other situation? Well, you just have to caution your players. When you go on the road, the game is not going to be officiated the same as when you're at home. Uh, you also have to know the officials. Uh, who calls fouls? Who doesn't cause fouls? Who's going to let you talk to them? Who's not going to let you talk to them? You know, some officials will let the coach uh, ask him questions. Let the coach talk to you. Some, you better not say a word. Uh, they're going to tell you to sit down. This is your warning. But it, it just depends on where you're playing. And I always felt like at Kentucky, like most people, that they would get away with more because they're the Kentucky Wildcats. But to me, when I was coaching here, the team that got away with fouling more than other was Arkansas because oh, they yeah. fouled so much, oh, the officials just couldn't call everything. You, you cannot call every foul that Arkansas was committing during the game. So it was a matter of – I heard Ed Murphy say this one time when he was doing TV. You just have to decide, is it a misdemeanor or is it a felony? <laughs> well, let me tell you this. What Russell Walters did at midcourt that night here at the Hump, that was a felony. I don't know which play you're talking about. You don't remember You don't remember the screen? That was not Russell Walters. That was David Domain. That was David, David Domain. Okay. That was David, and, and it was Scotty a legal Beck, right? screen. <laughs> now, now, Nolan obviously thought it was an illegal screen, but it was definitely a legal screen. But David Domain, and not, most people probably don't remember David playing for us. He, he was a kid we signed out of Lafayette, Louisiana, kind of as a project. Great person, great student. Got beat up his redshirt freshman year playing against Cameron Burns and Greg Carter and Carl Nichols. I mean, they beat the heck out of that kid. But he's as tough as his table right here. He's the only player I've ever coached. I saw him go down in the middle of the lane his senior year, maybe his junior year, tore an ACL but got up and ran to the other end of the floor to get back and play defense. Not many people can do that. But he set that screen, and it was like running into a wall. But that was David Domain. Okay, so you're talking about officials a minute ago. Looking over your career and looking at guys now, so many times Charlie and I talk about this, the officials that the fans really don't like sometimes are the guys that are the most respected. I mean, I think of, you know, Doug Shiles. We've known Doug for a long time. Who are the guys that you think of and you say, you know, the fans may not like this guy, but he's a really good official? Well, Doug Shiles comes to mind, first of all, I think Doug Shouse is an excellent official. And I don't think some of our fans realize Doug Shouse's father played at Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. He Bobby Shouse. On the 63 team. He was team. on the 63 team, the game of change. That, that's Doug's father. Now, Doug did not graduate from State. He grew up in Atlanta. Uh, when I was coaching, I thought John Clockerty was very good. He's one of the best that we ever had. I don't know if the fans liked him or not. Uh, I think fans, any time an official makes a call against the home team, they don't like him. Uh, I liked Andre Patillo. I liked Gerald Boudreaux. I thought both those guys were really good. Quick story about Clockerty, who was one of the top officials in the country every year. 
But after a while, you know, those guys now, they, they, even back then, they started calling maybe four or five nights a week. And you could see Clockerty on TV the night before you get him in Starville. So we're playing one night early in the game. I don't remember who we're playing, and John was the official. And I said something to him early. And John would usually let you talk to him. And he turned around and said, that's your warning. I don't want to hear another word. So the next time down the floor, he's standing right in front of me. And I said, John, did somebody make you mad before you got here tonight? And he just kind of broke up. So we had a nice relationship after that. But he, I thought John Clockerty, Andre Patillo, Gerald Boudreaux, those are three of the guys I thought were really good. He did not mention Don Rutledge, by the way. Now, Don Rutledge was great. Okay. And he got <laughs> – Whit Hughes almost knocked him out one night. You remember that game? No, I don't. <laughs> Whit Hughes was going for a loose ball on the sideline in front of the scores table, and Don Rutledge was trying to get out of the way, and Whit's shoulder hit Don Rutledge right in the jaw like a heavyweight boxer, and Don Rutledge went down. We thought he was out for the game, but he got up and continued. And Don Rutledge and I, we're actually friends on Facebook. He was a great official. Oh, that's interesting. The uh, Hey, I'm always curious about how, as a coach, you approach shooting. We were 19 of 24 inside the three-point line. We were 6 of 25 behind it. And I read a Bob Knight quote one time. Somebody had said, we don't criticize guys for missing shots. And the answer was something along the lines of, well, why not? It's their job to make shots. Yeah. Um, how do you approach it after a game where you just don't shoot it well from long? Do you just kind of shake it off or do you get a little more well, kind of into them? I don't know, Charlie. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. When you start talking to players about shooting, you have to be very careful uh, about shooting. Now, my philosophy on it was, if you can't shoot it, don't shoot it. You know, I've had a player, and I won't call his name, that would say, Coach, I was open. I said, there's a reason why you're open. The other team watches film also. <laughs> they know you can't shoot. Uh, I, I saw a quote by Kelvin Sampson just last week. Uh, some reporter asked him about some poor shooters on his team, and how do you give them confidence? And he looked at the, the reporter with kind of a look of consternation on his face. He said, why well, don't I give bad shooter confidence? I don't want him to shoot. So it, it depends on who was taking those 25 shots. If it's a guy that has shown in practice and in games on a consistent basis that he can make shots, then you just, you just let it go. He says, it's a bad night. Now, if it's guys that shouldn't be taking those shots, and you just tell them, this is your role. This is where you can shoot the basketball. One of the best shooters I've ever coached, obviously, was Daryl Wilson. One night at Arkansas, he goes 0 for 10. Not all three-pointers, but some of them. He's 0 for 10. I never said a word to him. I said, it's a bad game. You'll get the next one. Because great shooters like Daryl Wilson, like Tony Watts, guys like that that I've coached, they always think the next one's going in, and you have to make them think that. So I, I, it's just different. Some coaches just – I've been around coaches that say, if you're open, shoot it. Well, sometimes I cringe at that. Because, as I said, sometimes there are reasons why they're open. Charlie and I were talking about Daryl Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Something came up about Daryl Wilson. And I said, with a minute and a half to go in the game, I can't recall a player in Mississippi State history that I would rather have at the free throw line than Daryl Wilson. Can you think of anybody else that was when – when you had to have a shot or when you had to have a free throw, and you've seen a lot of Mississippi State basketball. I can't think of anybody I'd rather have at the line than Daryl Wilson. Well, Daryl and Tony Watts, yeah. the two that I've coached, uh, that I would rather have on the line. And my wife asked me one time, she said, why is Daryl always the one at the free throw line at the end of the game? Why is he always the one getting fouled? 
I said, because we run things to get him the ball on the inbounds play. We want him to get fouled. And I'll never forget one game we were playing. And it's on film. I don't remember the team. Daryl gave the ball up late in the game when the other team was supposed to be fouling. He threw it to a non-free throw shooter. At the next dead ball, I said, Daryl, the, the player he threw it to, I didn't made sure he didn't hear this. I said, Daryl, I don't want you to throw him the ball anymore. I want you to have the ball in your hand. Okay, coach. He said, but I just don't want the other players to think I'm selfish. I said, I don't care if they think you're selfish. They can get mad at me. I want you on the free throw line. But he was physical enough, too, to handle any kind of slaps or anything Absolutely. like that. I mean, he was he was just a just strong guy that could handle the basketball. Yeah. No, he was – he's one of the all-time greats. I'm glad you mentioned Tony Watts because we – a lot of younger people think of Derek Zimmerman as one yeah. of the exciting players. Tony Watts was as exciting a player as I remember watching play here. Sometimes a little too exciting. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony – he may be the best bad shot maker I've ever coached. He 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 thought he could create shots that nobody else could, and he had that ability. He's also, of all the players I've ever coached, the fastest guy from one end to the other with the ball in his hand that I've ever coached. He, he Unbelievable speed and quickness. And, you know, Daryl came in as a freshman the same year Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Rolf, uh, was at Gulfport. And we really recruited Mahmoud hard, didn't get, didn't get him, so we signed Tony Watts. And we were starting Reggie Boykin, who was a senior that year, ahead of Tony. And John Brady, my assistant, kept saying, you got to start Tony. you got to start Tony. I kept saying, John, this senior deserves the opportunity to start right now. The freshman's not going to start. We go to Alabama, uh, conference game, I think first conference game of the year, one of Wimp Sanderson's teams, all those pro, pros on it. Tony comes off the bench, and as I said, as his Hall of Fame thing, he made ten straight field goal attempts, and he looked. He said, "Coach, it was twelve." By the way, <laughs> but that's that's his mentality. Well, he started from then on because it just became so obvious he was so good offensively. Now, defensively, had some work to do. Uh, he did. He he was not the best defender in the world, but as far as offensive player, he was so creative. And if you left him open, he could shoot it almost like Daryl Wilson. He was almost that good. Back doing radio, and, and I've said this outside of your presence, I, I love listening to you because I think you've got a real gift in making complex points very quickly. And so I, I listen to you and I hear, God, man, this is a guy who understands the game. Do you get the itch to get back out there with a whistle around your neck? Every day. I love, I love teaching basketball more than anything else. I just – I don't – some of the other things I didn't particularly care about, uh, I, I think I was blessed – uh, to have great assistant coaches. I was blessed to have great recruiters, you know, John Brady, Robert Kirby, Rick Stansberry. Uh, those guys were as good as there are as far as recruiting, and they handled the recruiting part of it. Uh, my job in the recruiting, uh, if, if one of them came to me and said, Coach, I need you to call this player tonight, so I'd make that call or drop this guy a note. Uh, I do think when I went into a player's home to meet his family, I could sell Mississippi State because I believe in this university and I believed in what we were doing. But as far as teaching basketball, I miss it every single day. And, you know, Chris has asked me a couple of times, Chris Jans, why, why do you come to the practice? Said, you like, why? I said, I love watching practice. I said, I, I learn something every day. Uh, I just enjoy watching basketball. I've, I've never had any hobbies. Basketball is not only my job, it's my hobby. So, yeah, and actually I had a chance to coach at Southern Miss two years ago. Very good friend of mine, Jay Ladner, had me come down and I think one of those titles, special assistant to the head coach. Now, what that meant, I don't know, but <laughs> it was fun for me to be around the players. And interestingly enough, Tyler Stevenson was on that team. 
mm-hmm. who's now on our team, and he was the best player we had. And uh, I've, I've been around a lot of players in a long coaching career. Tyler Stevenson is the hardest working player that I've ever been around, practice and games. He is wide open from beginning to end. I've never been around a player who works as hard as he does all the time, and he is a has tremendous character, a great family, and I hope he has some success here as a Mississippi State Bulldog. Hey, we could do this all day, and I could talk, and we can tell stories. Before we let you go, when I think of, in your career, the great games, I think of, of course, the SEC championship game down in New Orleans. I think of the UConn game, the Cincinnati game. But from a coaching standpoint, if you look back at your career, what's the one game that you sat there on the sideline and says, hey, today was as good as it gets? You know, everybody talks about the Sweet 16 games, and they were great. You know, the year went to the, in 95. Then the Final Four run, obviously, was magical for us. A lot of that had to do with Dante finally figuring things out. Uh, and I, I thought towards the end of the season, he was probably as good a player as there was in the country, and that allowed us to go to the Final Four. But as far as the game that I think established that Mississippi State can be a team, a program, again, that can win, and I've said this many times, without this team and this particular game, there never would have been a Final Four. The 1991 championship game here at Humphrey Coliseum against LSU, when we beat LSU and tied for the SEC championship, 1991, first championship we'd won since 1963, 28 years when Coach McCarthy was here. My senior year in high school, 1963. And so – that group of players that came in as freshmen and won that championship that year against an LSU team that had Shaquille O'Neal on it, by the way. And people forget, you know, he didn't play in that game. People forget he did play in the game in Baton Rouge, and we won that game also. But the 1991 championship game, to me, that established, hey, Mississippi State can win in this league again, and I think it's carried over. Hey, great to see you. you going, where are you all going to eat tonight? You say you're, you're going to Philadelphia, play Akron tomorrow night. The Barstool. So, do you know Brandon Walker, who our good friend Brandon Walker, who works with Barstool? I do know Brandon Walker. Brandon, I've known Brandon since he was a, a kid because his mother was my secretary for years what? in the basketball office. So, what you're saying is, is Brandon learned all of his basketball knowledge just by being in contact with you? I'm not sure Brandon has any basketball knowledge, <laughs> but he certainly acts like he does. So, we don't know. We don't know that. We're going to clip that out and send it to him. You know that, right? That, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> hey, good to see you as always. Good to see you guys. Appreciate you having me. And that's Coach Richard Williams in that conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. At uh, Mississippi Made Product down in Florence, Mississippi at uh, Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 and you just can't beat the country pleasing sausage, all the different varieties. You can find it in all the gross. Hey, Charlie, we got a tweet last week. A guy in South Carolina had tweeted us and said, hey, I saw this in the grocery store today in the, in the Kroger. Of course, they're going to east and going up in the Midwest a little bit now, but it's a growing company. And our good friends at Country Pleasing bringing you that interview with Coach Richard Williams. Well, we'll come back. We'll talk further here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. (laughs) 
And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. In that conversation with the coach, Richard Williams, always great to talk with him. And now we talk to Georgia pregame and postgame host. He does women's basketball and baseball at Georgia, Jeff Dantzler. In this conversation, brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus now with five locations. You've got three in the state of Mississippi, Hickory, Columbus, Startwell, Summit, and then Alexandria, Louisiana, and Bessemer, Alabama on I-459 over in Bessemer. Saney Mini Excavators and Excavators. You've got the Massey Ferguson Tractors and Implements at all the locations other than Startwell. But Barco, Denny Seamoff, Mulching Heads, Rayco, the forestry world is where they make their hay, but a lot of used equipment as well. They're one of the biggest distributors of used forestry equipment in the Deep South. And so this segment brought to you by our friends at Trax Plus. So let's talk to our good friend Jeff Dantzler with the Georgia Radio Network. He does women's basketball, been doing baseball now. How long have you been doing baseball now, Jeff? Over 20 years, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. It started back in the, the mid-90s. So I, I, I used to be a young guy. Now, I, now I'm just an old dinosaur. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Hey, man, so <laughs> anyway, I could tell you all kind of stories because you had Coach Polk as, uh, as your guy over there for a couple of years, and you were his radio guy, and his office is next door to mine, and so we give each other a hard time. And But, hey, let's talk about this weekend it seems like you know early in the year you kind of wonder about the hangover of winning a national championship. Have you guys seen any kind of hangover with the, within the program? Uh, not with the coaches and the players, that's for sure. I, I know since January 10th, I told everybody, until that next season kicks off, I'm celebrating every day. I think a lot of our fans have been like that. Just like uh, when you guys won in Omaha a couple of springs ago, you know, so close so many times, and it finally comes through. But uh, this 2022 Georgia team has done a great job of trying to make their own history. But as Kirby says, and as we all know, especially in this league where it's so tough, humility is just a week away, which leads us into Saturday's game. And I think a lot of us, myself included, when we looked at the schedule before the year, this is the one that we circled as saying, I, I think this is the toughest game of the season. And that's no disrespect to anybody else. I think we knew Tennessee was going to be good. I didn't know that they would be this good. But when you're talking about Georgia and Bart, you know that the history of the rivalries and everything, coming off back-to-back games against Florida and Tennessee, just the emotional high riding on that, now having to, to go out to Starkville for Will Rogers and Mike Leach. And I think you guys have got a tremendous team and you're really, really good at home. I think this is an extremely difficult challenge for Georgia Saturday night. When we talk Georgia football over this way, the first thing that always comes up is defense. Everybody talks about, boy, Georgia's just dominant defensively. But as I look at this, well, the offense isn't too bad either. I mean, you, you talk about a team that's regularly only two games haven't scored in the 30s or more. As you look at this Georgia team, where do you see the offense this year as compared to a year ago? I, I think it's similar. I think last year's offense was outstanding. Uh, this year's team is not as good at running back. I mean, you lose guys like Zamir White and James Cook. It's hard to be. Uh, once again, injuries have just really hit Georgia in the wide receiver position. I think the offensive line is still very good, uh, but the quarterback play is better. It's the same guy, but Stetson Bennett, for the first time in his career, he had an entire offseason. He had the spring. He had the preseason camp. 
as the number one guy. And guys, you know football. I, I've talked to a bunch of my buddies who play quarterback here at Georgia, and they said you just cannot put a price tag on how important that is to get all those reps in there with the number ones. And you know, with, with you guys, you've had uh, Rodgers in there. I remember uh, two years ago, it was a great game in Athens. Uh, and, and we're all sitting there going, this guy's just a freshman. He's really good. And the big reason for that now where he is, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, is getting all those reps now for three years for him and you know, for steps. And I, I just think that's been a big reason why his play uh, has gotten even better. He was great last year, but I, I think he's been even better this season. Talking to Jeff Dansler at the University of Georgia. Jeff, one of the things about Stetson Bennett, and, and when Will Rogers has success too, it's having time to throw the football. And I was looking over the last four games for Georgia. There's only been five quarterback pressures against Stetson Bennett without a blitz. And so that five-man front up there has really done a gr- really good job of protecting him, especially in non-blitz situations. It just looks like he has time to throw the football. Well, that's the key for everybody. I love it, guys. You know, we'll, we'll sit there and be watching games on Saturday or Sunday. Well, so-and-so, you know, the commentators, he's just not as good with pressure. Well, well duh. <laughs> no, nobody is. So, so you know, you, you get, I think for both of these teams, because you're going against two really tough, fast, fast, athletic, physical defenses here. So that's going to be a, a big key uh, for Georgia and Mississippi State. Which team does a better job giving the quarterback time to throw them Bart, I, I think he hit on it too uh, with, with the blitz. You have to dial some things up because especially when Mississippi State has the ball, with, with what Coach Leach is able to do in that passing attack, if you do gamble because it, it's so important to beat Mike Leach and Mississippi State to get State behind the chain. If you gamble, uh, you're really rolling the dice because State can hit you for the big plays. And, you know, another thing, guys, that stood out to me, and I know Coach Leach always had this right player reputation, the, the, the great the passing guru, the quarterback guru, these, these big-time passing offenses. But State can run the ball. The short passing game is essentially an extended running game. And State is always tough and physical. The defense is really good. So I, I see this as a really complete Mississippi State team, not what a lot of fans might think, oh, it's a stereotypical Mike Leach team. No matter where he's catching, they're just going to throw it 60, 65 times a game. This is a much more complete team that Georgia's playing Saturday night. Well, if Mississippi State wants to have success, they have to throw the football, and it goes back to what you guys were just talking about, having time. A lot of times you look at a team and you see that they've got one guy that's really good at getting to the quarterback, and you figure, well, you got a game mm-hmm. plan for that guy. As I look at this Georgia defense, though, and you start looking at quarterback pressures – there's like a stack of guys, and they're at different spots. you got guys on the edge. you got linebackers. looks like this defense has been pretty good at uh, disrupting passers. Uh, they have been, and they're very well coached. Uh, Kirby has put together a terrific coaching staff, and, and that includes Will Muschamp, uh, who, who has done a great job stepping in for Dan Lanning, who's now the head coach at Oregon, Will, and, and Glenn Schumann, a longtime assistant, are the co-defensive coordinators. And uh, throughout the season, Georgia's sack totals were low. Uh, we got a bunch of last uh, two games against Hooker and Richardson. But Georgia had been doing a good job of making quarterbacks uncomfortable. And I think because of the pressure, we've seen a lot of teams maybe go with those, those three-step drops and the, those quicker hitting plays just so you don't have the time to get there. And I, I know with, with Rodgers, uh, Mississippi State's going to come up with an extremely good plan 
to try and, and slow that Georgia pass rush down. Jeff, when I look back, it's been over a month now since Georgia has gone on the road. The last road trip was at Missouri, and, of course, playing in Jacksonville in that neutral site game kind of throws that out of whack. So this is the first time in a while that Georgia has go has had to go on the road. And looking back at that time of the season, you kind of struggled a little bit against Kent State, struggled on the road against Missouri, but then turned everything around. What's the difference in Georgia in those two games compared to where they are right now? I think the big thing is just turnovers. Now, Georgia turned it over twice against Tennessee, and, and but got to. Turned it over three times against Florida, but still won by 22. The game against Missouri, and Mississippi State's a lot better than Missouri. I think Mississippi, Missouri's got, got a good team, but State's a lot better. Now, Georgia turned it over three times in the first half, and uh, it, it really opened the door, and Missouri was able to cash in with that. You know, Georgia turned it over against Kent State, so I think just like any team, not beating yourself, uh, that, that's the first key to success. And, and we know this, if, if the dogs at the turnover bug bites, I mean, state can make you pay. Uh, but I, I just think the big thing, Kirby feels like this is a really good connected team. They play good complementary football with all three phases. But, I mean, you're right. It's been a while. That Missouri game was that night. You know, it's going to be under the stars. It's going to be cold Saturday night. Heck, I'm sure it was 85 degrees here on Monday. I'm sure y'all were hot in Starkville too. So, you know, just kind of talking about the just a lot of the changes you go through. So, hey, we know we're going to get a great shot from State on Saturday night. Hey, man, appreciate you. Hey, before I let you go, looking on that defensive yeah. side, and one of the uh, one of the reserves on the defensive side, Chaz Chambliss, a kid from Georgia. Mm-hmm. His grandfather was my high school football coach from Nanawoya. Wow. And I've known Chaz, wow. Chaz since he was a kid. Man, I knew his dad real well. His dad passed away a couple of years ago. His uncle Steve was one of my best friends growing up as a kid. And so I'm looking forward to seeing his family. I haven't seen those guys in a while. And so I've had a, a lot of folks tell me they're coming to the game. So, yeah, Chaz Chambliss, his, his grandfather uh, passed away a couple of years ago, lived here in Starkville. So, anyway, hey, appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you, sir. That, that's a great story, Chad. Yeah, we lost a great player, Nolan Smith, to injury, and Chaz is stepping in and doing really well. So I know the family will look forward to seeing you, my friend, and it's always great to be with you. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Jeff Dantzler with the Georgia Radio Network. Great to talk to Jeff. Once again, that conversation brought to you by our friends at Trax Plus. So Charlie and I will come back. We'll have a final word here on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back. Final segment of Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Mark Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Well, we've talked to Mississippi State former basketball coach Richard Williams. He's on the radio broadcast. Charlie, you brought up the point with him a minute ago. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the country any better that describing a game on the radio, he would be fantastic on TV, but he is concise and he is good when it comes to broadcasting. Oh, I think he's outstanding. He he does such a good job, and I said this earlier, he does such a good job of making very complex things seem simple. And you can see why he would be really good at coaching basketball, the ability to communicate. And, and look, his passion for the game is is unmatched. And the Georgia Bulldogs coming in here talking to Jeff Dantzler. And, 
You know, talking to Jeff, and that's kind of the conversation we had off the air, is, you know, you always circle games. You know, we circle games on our calendar. I always thought that had we beaten LSU that Bowling Green may have been a little bit different. You're always looking for that trap game on the road. I also circled Kentucky and what Kentucky could be, and that was a game that was tough for us. And In Athens, this is a game that those guys have circled a little bit and said, hey, this is one that bothers us because you are coming off the Florida win. You are coming off a home game against Tennessee. You are going on the road for the first time in over a month. and So you can kind of see where they are guarding against the letdown. Okay. I'll play along. That's what I'm telling you, man. I'll play along. Great opportunities are born from great things. Is that what you said? No, great moments are born from great opportunity. That's close enough. Hey, if you're coming to Starville this weekend, make sure you go ahead and make your reservations at your local restaurants here in town. It's going to be a buzzing weekend this weekend. And if you ever have any questions about coming to Starkville, looking for hotel reservations or dinner reservations, where to go, trying to plan your trip, go to startville.org, Mississippi's College Town. The partnership puts together that uh, that calendar each and every week and got a big concert tonight at Rick's, and, which is basketball season coming up. And it gives you every excuse to come back to Startville if you're a Bulldog fan. And so, once again, go to startville.org. If you're looking to make your plans for when you do come to town, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Yeah, I guess we'll be back on Friday. Get into the deep dig on this game a little bit, but fun to talk with those two guys today. Yeah, it really was. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Tracks Plus, go to tracksplus.com if you're looking for some used or new forestry equipment, uh, excavators, all the the big toys, the good fun toys at Trax Plus. Our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. Startville, Mississippi's college town. And our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here in the midweek on Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.